Well, good morning again. Welcome. I started to sing that song we used to sing way back in the old days. This is the day. Remember that one? No clue. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord. You remember that? You don't remember that? That the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. You know, um, aren't you glad we sing newer songs too? And uh, I still sing a lot of the old songs. But there's, there are new things that the Lord has with. There's new, His mercies are new every morning. There is a, it's a new day. It's a new, at the beginning of the week, by the way, you know that. First day of the week, Sunday. First day of the week. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Resurrected. New life, new beginning, new hope. New, new, new. The Bible says that someday he's going to make the earth new again. He's going to destroy it by fire. The day he talked about his judgments. But right now we are in the age of grace. Thank the Lord that we are learning to walk. Thank you, Austin, for doing so much for us. And we have technology and other things. So I call Austin with my title and my verses on Saturday night, and he goes to work. Somehow he puts all this stuff together. My title of a message today is not what goes in, but what comes out. Now, you might be thinking, what in the world did he go? Where did he go with that thought? Well, it's taken from the Bible. We're going to turn to Matthew 15. We're going to look at the verses of Jesus where he was just kind of being questioned by the so-called the the, the 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 religious folks called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were supposedly learned people in the law. They knew it front and backward, but they added a few things and they stretched some things. And they were trying to find something in Jesus that they could nail him down with, that they could, you know, catch him being off. Trying to find something wrong. Isn't that just like the devil? The devil wants to find something wrong with us. He wants to bring it up and remind us. But in the name of Jesus, the earlier, the the. The chapter before, the 15th chapter, we, we learned about how Jesus came to the disciples. Jesus was, I'm sure he was grieving over the loss of his cousin John the Baptist, and he was seeking for a place to pray and be alone with his father to, to just take it to the Lord in prayer. There are days when you just need to call on the Lord, amen. Just take it to the Lord in prayer. Pour your heart out before him. And Peter was bold to say, if that's you, Lord, if that's you, Lord, Jesus was walking on the water and said, that's you, Lord, command me to walk out on the water. And sure enough, Peter began to walk on the water. That's in the 14th chapter. 
But you know the story, he began to sink because he began to look in the flesh. He began to look, see the natural. The Bible says the natural man, the person without Jesus, cannot understand the things of God because the help of the Holy Spirit has not yet come. But in the first point, we want to say that it's not about religion or there's, it's not religion. It's really about relationship. Not about how much you know about God, it's about how much you know God. The difference. Not about how much, how many verses I can actually quote, but I need to put them in my heart and put them in, be doers of the word. As it makes and shapes my life, it makes me what I. So Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees in first one, then some Pharisees, scribes came to came to Jesus from Jerusalem. It's like, here they come. Here they come. Why do you disciples transgress? You know, they're just, why do you disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, mind it, there are verses in the Old Testament that have to do with the priest's responsibility to do certain washings and uh, they were to present themselves holy. There was actually verses on it. But here we have what, what is, they're trying to take it a little further, I think, than it was meant to be taken. And notice how Jesus in verse 3 answers them with another question. He answered and said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Whoa! Now I can just imagine the faces of these Pharisees being, you know, they just begin to rage inside and begin to think, whoa. And Jesus goes on, for God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father and mother, let him be put to death. That was a law. I'm glad I'm not under that law anymore. Wow. But you say, whoever shall say to his father and mother, anything of mine you might have been helped by has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother, and thus you invalidate the word of God for sake of your tradition. The Pharisees got off track by tradition, by adding to the law and making some things up on their own and coming to, into it with the attitude of we're going to control people. If we have this law, we can dominate, we can rule, we can have power. I mean, know that God is not, he's not impressed by that religion. Not at all. What does God notice? Humility. What does God notice? Brokenheartedness. What does God notice? A, a heart that cries out, I cannot say myself. It's like the man, two men that were praying in the New Testament. One was praying, Lord, I thank God I'm not like this man. And he beats his breast. Right? This, and this other man says, Lord, be merciful to be a sinner. Which one do you think God heard? God was moved by the one who humbled himself and came to him with an open heart. See, verse 8 quotes 
right from the book of Isaiah, this people honors me with their lips. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a verse there that we get our attention really quick. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Well, the problem with religion, and, and I, 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 I know some people don't mean it to be a negative thing, I've had people say, well, he's kind of a religious sort of a person. But I've kind of come to a place where religion to me now takes on a negative connotation because it has to do with just being rigid and, and legalism. Almost trying to draw attention to oneself. Look how holy I am. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, and he talked about them, they love to stand in the public place and pray long prayers. He patted on the back and say, wow, this is super spiritual. I remember when it was going to a small church, Carrie and I were starting out, out of, we were still in Bible college, we were helping a church plant. And the teacher, the Sunday school teacher, we didn't catch on right away. We, we were downtown, North Minneapolis. We were in a little building. We had a lot of steps to walk up. But this, this middle-aged guy, he was our Sunday school teacher. We, we, we liked him and we, we enjoyed him. And he came one, he dressed up like a bum, intentionally, to see how we would react to him. He put on a wig, he had long hair, gray hair, and he came in in dirty clothes, and he sits down. And we're like, do we know that guy? And we're thinking like, is that, is that? And finally then he revealed himself. Well, he was, he was going to teach on James that day, right? And you know where I'm going, because James, it talks about when a man comes into your service, he's not very well dressed, don't say, go sit, in the, go sit over here. But another man comes and he's old, he's decked out, he's, he looks good, you, you, get, you get the front row, man. What has happened? That's made judgment. We've made judgment. Same thing can happen in the body of, of the Lord, of the church. We can make judgments that we ought not to. Now, Jesus goes on to talk about this later in the text. Or right, I'm going to go back further earlier in the, in the book of Matthew. Why were the Pharisees so uptight? Because they saw the disciples eating without washing their hands. And Jesus goes on to speak about the Pharisees they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they worship me, verse 9. Teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And verse 10, after he called the multitude to him, he said to them, hear and understand. Now what enters into the mouth defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth this defiles the man. That is a statement. 
That is an element of truth. There is a nugget of not what enters into the mouth that defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. What, what comes out of our mouth reveals what's in, in our heart. And so we need Jesus to be in our hearts so that when we speak, Jesus comes out of our hearts. The attitude, His likeness, the Spirit of God Himself that would... I was talking to my, one of my brothers this week, and he, he was showing me his little cabin and little stuff he had in there, and uh, he had some pitcher pumps, and he got the idea of the, you know, priming the pump and how we in that pump, and uh, I said, someday you have to come up to the church and demonstrate to the people how this uh, works, you know, how the pump, pitcher pump is likened to our heart. We, inside a pitcher pump, there's a leather, and it needs to be soaked, and it needs to be soft, so that when you pump the handle and you prime the pump with water, water comes out. And I went on to think about, I heard one time in Bible school about how we are likened to a sponge. And we absorb water, and when we were squeezed, what comes out of us? Hopefully the Jesus in us will come out. Hopefully the Jesus in us will spill out onto other people. Hopefully the Jesus in us will be demonstrated. For the world needs genuine people that serve the living God. The world today doesn't need another person saying one thing and doing another. The world today needs humble people, simple people, not perfect people, but people that are walking toward Jesus. The world today needs to see the difference the difference of religious people and the difference over here of relational people, people that know the Savior, people that understand who He is, people that walk with Him day after day, people that start out every morning saying, this is a new day. Help me, Lord, to serve you. Lord, whatever may happen today, may you be with us. May you be near us. It's not about just keeping a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just about having a list. Oh, if you don't do this, oh, if you do this, oh, if you can't do this. It's about the matter of a heart. It's what we put into our heart. You put the word of God in there. When you choose to think on the things that are truth, you begin to be changed. Amen. You begin to think differently. You begin to think opposite of what the world would think. When you think, well, the world says you got to have this and that and another. Well, in order to be successful, you gotta, you got to be this and that and another. And so we make all kinds of things up. The Pharisees made all kinds of things up. They can prove somehow that they were better than everybody else, that they were, had a, 
in with God. But God is not impressed by religion. God is, is more impressed by our humility. Coming before him broken, coming before him saying, Lord, I cannot save myself. Pharisees were trying to find something, making judgment. Matthew, if you go back to Matthew chapter 7, so once in a while at men's breakfast, things come up like statements. And I don't know if it's chat that came up with this one. Watch your own bobber. Remember that? I think Chet came up with that. Maybe you, maybe someone else. Watch your own bobber. Well, that kind of sticks with me. That's what they're saying. Take care of your own life. Don't make judgments. Well, here's what Jesus talked about. You know, how do we really know a person's heart? We really can't. And here's Jesus talking about judging and Matthew 7, do not judge lest you be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you cannot see the log that is in your eye? What a picture. There's a speck in your eye, but I, you know, how do you make a judgment? Well, there, you can't even see. Let's say the log in your eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is your own, in your own. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Oh, my goodness. Didn't Jesus, doesn't Jesus just nail it? Cut, cut to the heart of the matter. Hmm. You referred to the book of James back a while and how that we can make judgments incorrectly. I don't know, you've heard this statement, you got one finger pointing because you, we did this in grade school, right? You point your finger at somebody, all these are pointing back at you. Can somebody laugh or something? I mean, they're seriously. My job and your job is not to judge people. Now, we can make judgments. Of course, we make judgments. But I don't know your heart. Religion can hinder if we don't have relationships. Religion can be wrong if we don't know Jesus. I said last week, I quoted from Oswald Chambers. I've been reading his devotion. He says there in a place, we can work for Jesus, but not walk with Jesus. Wow. Now, you can go to Bible school and look good and do good things. But if I don't have my private time with the Lord, I'm missing I'm drying up on this. I'm drying up. We've got to be connected to the vine. So 
point one is it's not going to take, it's not going to be religious people. It's not going to be religion that's going to change people. It's not going to be religion. It's going to be Jesus himself that changes people. What matters as a church, as a believer, is what is coming out of me. What is coming out of my mouth. May I be a life giver. May I be an encourager. May I be one who speaks life encouragement rather than bitterness, doubt, and all kinds of, there's all kinds of naysayers and negative things. There's so much that the enemy is stealing robbing and destroying. But we need to rise up and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So second point is true worship. Verse 8, the, peop- the people honored me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. So true worship is goes past the lip service. It goes past what may look good. It goes into our heart and it comes out of our heart. God sees our heart, verse 8. He knows exactly where we're at today with him. You know the story of the Samaritan woman. She was surprised that a man, that a Jew, Jesus, would even talk to him. Samaritan were looked down upon from the Jewish perspective. And Jesus gets into the discussion with her about living water and how that he has the true living water. And she's beginning to think, wow, I could use some of that. And finally something happened and because she went back to her village saying, I have met a man. And he has changed my life. And thus many, he says, in John's Gospel chapter 4, an hour is coming when the worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. See, there's the difference. Worship has to do with God, the Holy Spirit, channeling through you, dwelling in you. True worship, God the Spirit connecting you with God the Father. Romans refers to the Spirit as helping us in the 8th chapter. As Paul wrote to the church in Rome about very thing, this battle that was going on, the law, the spirit versus the flesh, Romans chapter 8, a good read. And no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to talk about this battle that is taking place talking about the flesh. Verse 13, if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. What does that mean? He's talking about handing over your life to the Lord. Talking about putting to death the deeds of your body. It's talking about surrender. That's talking about admitting, I can't do this in my own strength. Verse 15, you have not received a spirit of slavery. You know what exactly the devil wants? 
devils. He wants us to be slaves to him. He wants us to bow down to him. He wants us to serve our self, our sin. But then he goes on to say, but we, but you, verse 15, he's talking to the believers. But you, verse 15, have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. As sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That's an interesting verse. That is a powerful verse. His spirit bearing witness. You have a spirit, I have a spirit. When the body dies, the spirit goes back. The Lord is in charge where we're going to spend eternity. For those who follow Jesus and accept Jesus, we get, we get heaven. For those who do not, we're separated from God forever. A place called hell. A place that is no no place anyone wants to be. But God has come to save us and make us his sons and daughters. That you're not trying to prove or earn or work your way to be good enough somehow. If I can outweigh my bad with my good with good, then I'll get in. I'm okay. God sees your heart. And what he wants to see, and what he looks for is a heart toward him. The third point is the matter of the heart. True worship really comes down to the matter of the heart. True worship. Philippians chapter 3, Paul described his, his ministry all that he had learned, all that he had understood is law, verses 8 through 9. Everything that he really tried to accomplish is rubbish if I don't have Christ, if I don't gain the Lord, if I don't know the Lord, that I might be found in him not having a righteousness. See, the problem with religious people is they feel good if they're keeping the law. They feel good if they're keeping everything exactly. And they have not allowed God to speak to them in their heart, and it becomes, and it becomes a form rather than a matter of the heart, a form. The Bible warns against this very thing. They have a form of godliness, but they deny him. Lord, help us to be true worshipers. How do we be a true worshiper? We come with a surrendered heart. We come with honest, open heart. We come with our eyes on Jesus. We come recognizing what he has done for us, not what we have done for you. We... We can, see, we can see it go one way or the other. But look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. But the Lord is saying, I'm looking for your heart toward me. Boy, what a tragedy. 
we read those verses, I never knew you. Well, what's that all about? Well, I think it's talking about false teachers, false preachers, false people that are they're really not who they maybe appear to be. And Jesus says to them, I don't know you. Depart from me. I don't, I don't know. Lord, help us to be pure, teachable, surrender. See, the good news for the for sinners, good news for people that are just realize that I can't do this on my own. The good news is that we are we turn to the Lord and we are dependent upon Him. He's already done it for you. He's already done it and taken the penalty for our sins. And so in the matter of the heart, we think about Paul's own letter that I might know him back in Philippians that I might know him not having a righteousness of my own but that which is through faith in Christ the righteous which comes from God on the basics of faith that I may know him. Do I know him? Do I sense his presence? Do I long, do I look forward to walk with him every day? Do I want him to say, this is the way, go, walk in. Do I want him to say to me, this is the way? Am I willing to say, even as Paul said, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, even if it costs me suffering? Am I willing to follow Jesus even if it costs me suffering? Is it part of knowing Jesus that I don't like to talk about, and that's a spirit thing. If I'm going to follow Jesus, it may require some suffering. but it will be worth it all. Because past the suffering, as Jesus himself said, beyond the cross in Hebrews 12, he despised the shame. He could see past the cross that those who would come into his kingdom because of his suffering. I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't think about my suffering. What I need to think about is his suffering. Many people that have suffered and been martyred in the world for the sake of Jesus, they're all right with it. They've already died themselves. That was exactly the thing Jesus died himself when he came to the cross. What's coming out of my life? What's my passion? What needs to be the first and foremost? It's not keeping every letter of the law. It's just be merciful to be a sinner. I cannot keep the law. I cannot live good enough. 
I cannot make it in my own goodness. Not going to be religious people. It's going to be people that have understood, come to understand his realness, the true worship, a matter of a heart, a surrendered people, the people that are saying, I, I'm coming. I'm desperate for it. We sang that song. Maybe we'll sing that again instead of the other Waymaker. Breathe. It's a little song. It's a short little thing. This is the air I breathe. This is my daily bread. I'm desperate for you. Strong guitar. Here we go. How many know you need a lot of the Word of God to stay strong? Amen. You need a lot of the Word of God. You need to dwell on His promises. You need to receive. You need to breathe it, breathe in, drink it, walk in it, fellowship with it. Because we live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with untruth. So let's be the people of God. Let's take it in. So that we were, when we're squeezed and we're under pressure, it'll come out of us.